good afternoon to you all. Here we are on a double Sabbath. Begin to fast this evening at sundown. The Sabbath is over. Long live the Sabbath, I guess. So, not even a break in between. They completely merge at sundown, and one ends, the other begins. So we have obviously the Day of Atonement coming up, beginning tonight. Uh, very, 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 very meaningful day in God's plan. Uh, I'll speak of it tomorrow. But today, <clears throat> I kind of gave you a little taste, I think two weeks ago, at the end of the sermon, uh, where we were talking in Jeremiah 29 about uh, seeking God, seeking Christ with all our heart, and He would be found of us. I didn't really get into uh, the timing of that and wish to today because I think we've come up to understand uh, some amazing things uh, in the last few weeks. But before I get right into that, uh, there's something coming up October 4th, which is during the feast that I think we should all be aware of. <clears throat> They're going to do a emergency test of everything uh, on October 4th, uh, ostensibly to see that all of our emergency things are working. But behind it, I've read now uh, in, on, in more than one place, they plan on gaining all the information that is available from your smart appliances, your smart TVs, your smartphones, your computers, everywhere you have data, everywhere you have made comments, uh, where you are, what you do, how you shop, they're going to collect everything they can collect about every one of us, uh, which is kind of a scary thing. We've been reading and knowing all this was going to happen for a long time. But apparently October 4th is a day in which they uh, plan on alerting every system and collecting everything they can get. So it would be a good idea to unplug your smart TV, uh, maybe take the battery out of your phone. They also have, I ordered some a while back, they have these uh, bags that you put stuff in that protect it. Uh, from EPM attacks and uh, all kinds of things. And they apparently cannot uh, read through all that. I don't know whether you can get those bags. Maybe some of you have them or uh, going back to the tinfoil hat days, maybe you can wrap them in tinfoil and get some relief from it. But there are better methods out there, but not much time to get them uh, in order to protect your info from being taken from you and used for their nefarious purposes. That's what it's all about. So October 4th is that date. I'm going to unplug my everything I got that they might be able to use. And they can take information right off your television. I think we all are pretty well aware of that now. Uh, 
lot of the new TVs, they can actually see into your room from the TV. So, uh, is it better to have your TV in the living room or the bedroom? <laughs> you know, uh, there's no privacy anywhere. <clears throat> okay, so that little thing put to rest. I have come to see recently, uh, we talk about the 70 years uh, and when 70 years starts and when 70 years ends and so on. And actually, right now I see three 70-year periods, some of them somewhat overlapping, but three distinct different periods of 70. And it's important to sort those out in terms of church history and world history and United States history and how it all fits together. And I'll tell you what, I have turned up some astounding information about this Aleph, the three uh, eclipses that started in 2017, and we have another one on October 14th this year, another one on April 8th of next year, which is the first day of the new calendar of God. Uh, astounding information to back up that these are likely very, very important and I think they also have to do with one of the 70s. Uh, so each in its order, I'll get into the, the Alice thing a little later, but let's go into these three distinct 70-year periods and see how they might fit together. Now the first one, I think we've touched on before, I didn't realize it was distinct from the other two in some respects, but the early New Testament church started in 31 A.D. when Christ founded it with the apostles there in uh, Acts 2. And that New Testament church lasted about 70 years. By 100 A.D. it was pretty well gone. John the Apostle was the last apostle, the only one who wasn't martyred, and right around 100, you couldn't find the church anymore. Who knows, it might have been exactly 70 years, it might have been 31 to 101, I don't know. I've never seen anything on that, but essentially in 70 years it had pretty much disappeared. Uh, there were little vestiges from there until uh, the 1900s recently, where there were people keeping the Holy Days somewhat and the Sabbath somewhat, but nothing really active. He said he would begin his church and it wouldn't die out. And we've seen enough, even through the Middle Ages, to know that there were certain ones who were keeping the Holy Days and the Sabbath. There just weren't very many of them. And even when this nation was settled, when the pilgrims came over, there were a few people who were keeping the holy days and the Sabbath when they arrived on these shores at the beginning. And they never got going very strongly because the Masonic influence was heavy, the king's influence was heavy, and it wasn't long before they were basically drowned out. Uh, a lot of it was in Rhode Island. But 
there were vestiges from that time even until today when there were people at least nominally keeping God's ways. So it didn't completely die out, but it wasn't very strong or powerful, let's put it that way. And Christ did say, fear not little flock. Uh, so most of the time, his flock would be very, very small, and Satan's would be very, very large, because Satan is the present ruler of this earth, the prince of the power of the air, and we're seeing an awful lot of weather disturbances, which man has learned from Satan and how to do it, and are now creating fires, creating hurricanes, creating all kinds of turbulent weather uh, as weather warfare. So, the church has been around, but its active time, let's say, uh, was from, 19, or from 31 to about 100 A.D. Now, the end-time church follows essentially the same pattern. Herbert Armstrong began to be called in 1926 and to be called and educated, learn about the Sabbath, the things that he learned from 1926 on. And then by 1996, the church had essentially disappeared. This is only 70 years. Uh, I don't know that you can say there's an official date that uh, the Worldwide Church of God was finally dead, but I think I can give you a pretty good estimate of that and perhaps an educated guess as to when God ended it and actually pronounced it dead. You know, you can be essentially dead, but not until they examine you and declare you dead are you actually dead. Uh, whether you were dead or not. But from 1926, count 70 years, and you come to 19, 1996. Now, I think that is the time that God declared Worldwide Church of God, or the Sardis era, dead, with only a few names remaining in Sardis. Now, why do I say that? Because it was in 1996 that God began to give us the knowledge we have about the Promised Land, about Zion, about Jerusalem, about all these things that you and I understand that no one else does. He began imparting that knowledge in 1996 in January. So, what that was was the end of the Sardis era and the beginning of a new era at least in terms of the knowledge and understanding that would be required for the new era to begin. Now, the latter temple has not been begun yet in terms of the physical plant in the true Jerusalem. It will be soon. I think there was a start made on a spiritual level in 1992, when uh, John Reitenbaugh formed the Church of the Great God. Go to Ezra and you'll find that they called the new temple there uh, the temple or the house of the great God. That was the name they put on it as they rebuilt the temple. House of the Great God. Congregation of God, Church of God, Temple of God, they're all interchangeable. They're all synonymous. 
So uh, he began to give us this information because you can't start something officially until you know where to go and until you get there and then things can start. But you have to have the knowledge in the first place of what to do. And I think he gave us the knowledge beginning in 1996 that you and I understand today, and not many people do, uh, just very few. And I'll tell you this, the things that Michael Snyder came up with on this Aleph across the United States that is scheduled to be finished uh, April 8th, has a lot more to it than he understood. And I've read some other sites that have some astounding things that they say about it. But no one could put the whole story together if they did not know what you and I know. It would be impossible. There is so much detail involved that has to do not just with the nation, but with the church itself. And I think I can prove that to you. It's, it's just amazing when you put it all together. And I don't think I have all of it yet, but I got an awful lot off one website this morning that fit in beautifully with what you and I understand. Just blew my mind almost. One much left, but it blew the rest of it. Anyway, we have that first period, 1926 to 96, when the information he gave Herbert Armstrong to begin with had run full course, and then the church itself had died by 1996. And he gave us new information that will be used for the latter temple there of Zechariah, Haggai and Zechariah. So that's the first one. Now the second one begins to have to do with the Aleph, I think, and we've talked about this before because the uh, eclipse in August of 2017 fits the description in Amos 8 perfectly. I've been over that information several times in sermons and made mention of it, but uh, Amos saw a basket of summer fruit. Uh, the fruit starts really coming into its own and becoming ripe into July and into August is when it does. The peaches, apples a little later, but uh, a lot of the summer fruits of the trees start coming in late summer. So Amos saw a basket of summer fruit during the time of the eclipse. And as I went over before, so just briefly here, that eclipse in 2017 was 430 years after the Roanoke, Virginia colony was established. So from the first apparent permanent settlement in the United States in 1585 or, or 1587, uh, 430 years later is 2017. They were in Egypt or Mitzrayim, in captivity for 430 years as, well, not beginning as slaves, but almost immediately. I mean, the slave of one, Joseph, it wasn't long after he got to Egypt that he wound up in prison. <laughs> so, even though Jacob had not yet arrived with his 70 people, 
uh, Joseph was already in captivity. So I think you could truly say the, the captivity lasted 430 years, and God said to the day. And here we are, uh, now over 430 years since this nation was first settled. And my take on that is that God put us in slavery for 430 years, and then he gave us back 430 years in this nation. You know, we went into captivity from here over to Africa and the Middle East and then on up into Europe and settled there. And God did not allow Israel to come back to this country until 1587, uh, where it was established. And then we had 430 years to make things right, to get things right, to come out of the slavery of this world and its system and serve God. And he gave us 430 years to make that transition, and we never did it. We chose to stay under the captivity of the Babylonian and Satanic system. And that began right at the beginning. The Masons came in, they established our government in Washington, D.C. with all the old Roman and Greek stuff and laid it out in perfect Masonic order. And the Masons are a part of Satan's system, uh, undoubtedly. So, Satan's system has had us by the throat ever since we came, and a few people were keeping God's holy days and Sabbath, but the majority were not. And our early leaders were not Christians, they were deists out of their own mouths, which means they think that there is a God who created, and then he went off to do something else, and he's left us on our own. That's what deism is all about. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson... Uh, you can name a whole batch of them that call themselves deists. Americans have thought that they were Christians, but they were not. And that's why they laid out Washington. I mean, you see Washington himself, George Washington, in pictures and drawings and paintings with him having the Masonic gear on and so on. So he was a Freemason. So, that's what happened there. So, I believe God passed or began to pass judgment on this nation 430 years after it had its first permanent uh, colony. That was in August of 2017. That's been seven, almost seven years now. There's a completion of that judgment uh, that comes up on the first Day of the new year, April 8th, is the year, the time that it is, time of an eclipse. Uh, I believe that there were also, there was a 70 year period from the time Ambassador College began in Pasadena. In 1947, you count forward 70 years and you come to 2017. Jeremiah, all the way through, talks about a 70-year uh, captivity after which they would be released. And Herbert Armstrong, and he told them to build houses. It would be a long captivity. 
so Herbert Armstrong began in 1947 a program of building church houses, congregations around the nation and around the world. Seventy years later, uh, that had basically come to an end. I think Herbert Armstrong, I mean, uh, Worldwide died in 1996. But there were continuations of splinter groups here and there. But when the judgment came on the nation, uh, the work basically had ceased by 2017. Uh, nobody's getting anything done. They tried valiantly from some of them from 1991 or two until 2017. And during all that period of time, nothing's happened. It's just been basically laying there, nothing growing. So that marked a very important juncture when that first uh, eclipse came across. That is the first eclipse that went all the way across the nation since 1918. Hadn't been a total eclipse clear across the nation since. There have been some that dipped in and hit a few states, but none that went clear across the nation as that one did. And the scientists tell us that you can stand in one spot on earth for 360 years before you will see a total eclipse go over again. 360 years. So it's a rare thing for this nation to have a total eclipse across the nation. Uh, very rare indeed. And here we are sitting on the cusp of having two of those in seven years, <laughs> and another one that went partially across within that seven years. It's a very, very unusual thing, in other words. Very rare. So 2017 was the first of a series of three total eclipses in a very short amount of time. So that's your second 70 years that have a, an important beginning and ending. Ambassador College and the judgment of Amos and Amos 8 that came across our nation. The sentence had not yet been given, but the judgment had been made. In other words, God said, you're past the point of no return. There's no forgiving this nation at this point. And it wasn't long after that then that we began to have more serious trouble and then COVID came and on and on it went and got worse and now it's coming apart at the seams as we see very quickly. So that's the second 70 years. 1926 to 96, 47 to 2017. And now there's another one, I believe, that ties in very closely with Jeremiah 29 and other scriptures, uh, as well as with these eclipses. This eclipse series is supposed to end in 2024. Now, what it does is it creates not only an Aleph, which they're talking about, the first letter of the Hebrew uh, alphabet, the Alpha, or the beginning. But it also includes, I learned this morning, 
and Omega. The, the three eclipses crossing create an Alpha and an Omega. Three times in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 11, Christ says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. First and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, the book of Revelation is about the end time, very clearly, all the way through it. It's talking about that with the return of Christ and the kingdom coming and everything else. And then at the end of the book, chapter 21, verse 6, he repeats, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end of everything. And he says it both ways. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Uh, one out of Hebrew and one out of Greek. And then in 22.13, he talks about only the righteous being in the kingdom and the liars and the thieves and so on not being included. And again, he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Now, the Hebrews uh, used to use the A, at the beginning of the alphabet, as the signature of Christ. Now, you don't have the whole Hebrew alphabet written out all over the southwestern United States, but there are hundreds of places where inscribed on a rock is an alpha, showing Christ's signature. We'll see more on that here in a moment. So, if 2024, the third one, is an end point, and I think we'll see that it is. You count back 70 years and you come to 1954. Now, what significant happened at that time? It was the very first meeting of the Bilderbergers in, I think it was late May of 1954. Now, the, the conspiracy to take over the world goes back well Beyond that, uh, Albert Pike even uh, prophesied the three world wars and who would be involved in them, and so far it looks like he was perfectly correct because these things are all manipulated by Edomite bankers and by people behind the scenes like the Rothschilds and the uh, Rockefellers and different ones like that behind the scenes who are guiding and directing and telling people where to go and where not to go. And all the major wars that have occurred in America have all come uh, at the feet of a Democratic president. But the Bilderbergers were set up for the express purpose of destroying the United States. And in 2024... Uh, we see signs of a lot of this happening. I just saw a quote from, supposedly at least, from a CIA man who was on his deathbed and said that by 2024, there would be billions who die. Now, if you've read the Deagle Report, which came out some years ago, they say that the population of the United States will only be 10% of its present size in 2025, or by 2025. So that would say that 2024, which is not very far away, 
would be when they set their hearts and minds to destroy our nation as quickly as possible. And there are signs that this is occurring with the uh, governmentizing of food, of farms. Now they're talking about uh, federalizing all land so you won't own land. And on and on it goes, of things that are supposed to happen very shortly. They're now talking about another pandemic and mandatory mask wearing. Uh, Jeremiah tells us there will be a civil war. It might be real easy, the mask wearers and the non-mask wearers shooting each other, uh, because this time there's going to be a lot of people who are not ready to take that mask back on. You know, there's coming a time when we can't go anywhere. They'll have places set up to test you, check to see if you've got COVID, to double-check if you've had the vaccinations or not. And probably, if you haven't had, they'll give you one on the spot. Or if you refuse, you go to your happy place with Hillary's uh, camps, where you will be killed, used as a slave, or killed depending on your health and everything else. So this is just around the corner. They're talking about it, doing it immediately. I mean, this fall, early next year. So we'll see how this works out. But even they are saying by 2024. So you put that together with 70 years from the Bilderberger's inception till... Not 2024, and they project that they will have the United States destroyed by then. That's their projection. That's not Bible prophecy. That's not us. That's them saying it. And Bill Gates, Microsoft, just said that all life on the planet needs to be destroyed. People, trees, animals, fish, everything needs to be destroyed. Now he, Microsoft, is tied in very strongly with the New World Order boys. And I saw something in there about the eclipses and how he's tied in with that. I didn't have time to digest it. But this all comes together. Now, 2024 is when this third eclipse occurs in April. What does it mean? We had the warning and the judgment, I think, given in 2017. Now we have another significant eclipse coming up October 14th. This one goes not from Oregon to South Carolina, this one goes from Oregon down and out through Texas. It doesn't go all the way across the nation, but from Oregon to Texas. And it's a very interesting one. The first one came across. Now, this one's going to come down. Where does it go start and where does it finish? Well, it starts in Oregon, and it comes out across 
the promised land, across Utah and southern Utah in particular, goes down through Texas, crosses the Four Corners, which is a cross in itself, or an X, crosses that, and comes out at Corpus Christi, Texas. Corpus Christi is the only such named town in the United States, and if you know any Spanish at all, it means Corpse of Christ, Body of Christ. Why does it come out at Corpus Christi? Now, the first one began at Government Point, Oregon, in 2017. Government Point, and since then, basically the nation has been divided and is getting further divided by government every day that goes by. But it passed over, interestingly, seven places in the United States with a total eclipse, not just periphery, total eclipse, Went over Salem, Oregon, Salem, Salem, Idaho, Salem, Wyoming, Salem, Nebraska, Salem, Missouri, Salem, Kentucky, and Salem, South Carolina. Seven Salems, 2017, went over in this country. Some of them small, but it was total. Right in the eclipse line. Salem means peace. Jerusalem was a city of peace. Now, let's tie the church in a little bit to this. A lot. God began His work with Herbert Armstrong near Salem, Oregon. That was the beginning. The Alpha of the late New Testament church was in Oregon, and a lot of it was in Salem. Then it exited in South Carolina. South Carolina, Fort Mill, South Carolina, headquarters of the Church of the Great God. So it exited, began in Salem, Oregon, where Herbert Armstrong began the end-time work, and exited over... South Carolina, where I believe the beginnings of the latter temple or the last phase of the end-time work of God actually began. Now, that's interesting. Now, this one that comes up October 14th starts in Oregon, comes, as I said, across the real promised land, and nobody knows about that. They couldn't put this together. It comes across Zion. It comes across the four corners and exits at the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. The body of Christ is the sacrifice that He has offered the church and will ultimately offer the world. So where it began in Oregon is again the starting point of the second eclipse and it exits through the body of Christ having gone across the true promised land. Now, that's pretty astounding to me. So, now you have these two lines. The third one coming in April <clears throat> comes from up around Minnesota down, follows pretty close the Mississippi River. The Mississippi River 
is the home of the uh, New Madrid Salt Line. I think it's the biggest salt line in America, bigger than uh, the San Andreas Fault in California that everybody knows about. But the New Madrid is, well, that whole Mississippi Valley <laughs> is a dividing line of this nation. And this nation is being divided culturally, politically, every way you can name it's being divided right now. And it might be that April of next year could be when it is completely divided and into civil war because of all these things that we've been talking about that are coming to pass. The new pandemic, the destruction of food, uh, and so on. Now, between these three, there are seven eclipse periods or years. <coughs> All three happen on a Monday at exactly seven eclipse periods. Uh, what do they call it? I forget. Uh, between the one in 2017 and the one in April of 24. And at the exact midpoint of that, I've got the date here somewhere, uh, December, December 14th, 2020, exactly three and a half years between those seven years of those two eclipses was the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Is this beginning to sound important? The inauguration of the two who are to oversee, if possible, according to the New World Order people, <coughs> the cessation of this nation as a country. Precisely between those two eclipses. Now, as they come across, uh, Michael Snyder talked about the Alice, two lines down with a line across, <coughs> which is, if you see it on a map, it's a perfect example of the Hebrew Alice, first letter of the alphabet. Now, as this occurs, the first two, the one in 17 and the one coming up in October, <coughs> excuse me, did not cross. This one that comes down in April will form two X's or two crosses. <coughs> the Omega, the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, uh, it's called the Ta. Uh, has in its origins two X's and I forget now exactly how they put it together but what this does is it completes an alpha and it completes an omega the beginning and the end 
Christ said He's the beginning and the end here in the last times. And His signature begins with the Alpha and it's completed with the Omega. The beginning and the end. Where is it in Luke? 25, is it? I wrote it down here somewhere. Uh, <coughs> he says to watch these heavenly signs. So there are seven heavenly signs involved right here at the end. After these, sometime later, we don't know exactly when, maybe, the moon, the sun, become darkened and the day of the Lord and all of that begin. So, it should not surprise us that God would write these things right there in the sky as a visible sign to Americans if they've got the wit to see it. Now, they didn't have the wit to see the things about the church that I've already talked about now and enumerated. They don't call it a tab, they call it a tab uh, in making the last uh, letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There's another interesting thing about this, where this uh, October 14th line comes down from Oregon across the whole, across here, you'll see the total eclipse from right here. The one that then comes down on April 28th, or I mean April 8th, makes an X, one of the X's that are part of the Omega. And guess where it came down? Then Illinois, it's Cedar Ridge or something like that. And there was a drought way back in Illinois in the north end of the state. And the south end of the state had food, had crops. So people from the north came down to this place where this, precisely where this X goes. Okay? And they called it Little Egypt. Jacob went down to the south to Egypt to get food. And here you have this X crossing precisely at the place they now call Little Egypt in the state of Illinois. Precisely over it. This stuff kind of begins to add up. <laughs> you know? Why there? Why not somewhere else? Is this something coming directly from God that He set up to picture both the church and the nation? It all fits together. Now, when you see that it fit Amos, just that first one, that's all I saw, and then the other two make an alpha and an omega beginning and the end, Christ's signature on it, it happening in places where he had important things to do with the church, beginning and exiting, Oregon, South Carolina, and so on, it begins to make some sense. Now, let's look at uh, Jeremiah 29 again, because we only went so far here. And it talks about after 70 years in verse 10 where he's, Jeremiah is saying that the uh, end of 70 years they would be released from the Babylonian captivity. You go to Daniel 9, and Daniel said he read 
in Jeremiah that it was at the end of 70 years. And it was. So Nebuchadnezzar's son was killed. The Persians took over. And Cyrus, the Persian king, uh, released the Hebrews. And it wasn't too long after that, two, three years, he gave them permission to go build uh, the temple in Jerusalem back. Now, let's tie that in with the end time, because Jeremiah is indeed an end time book. So the 70 years has to end at a certain time. Now, let's look at this. He says, Then shall you call upon me, verse 12, and I will hear you. You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, and I will turn away your captivity. So he's talking about the 70 years. He's talking about us finding him and him being found of us at the end of 70 years when you do it with all your heart. Now, I've been saying since 1996 that we need to seek God with all our heart because there are a lot of scriptures that say that. But you know what? We've not yet done it. We've not yet accomplished it. We may have increased the amount of our heart that we have in it, but we haven't got there yet. You know when you're going to be there? You're going to be there when things get so bad that you have no place to turn at all, whatever, wherever, except God. Things are going to get that bad in this nation, and it may come in 2024. Then we'll seek Him with all our heart. It hasn't gotten bad enough to make us do that yet. Maybe, we've went, maybe we went from 40% to 70 I don't know. Maybe we've gotten better at it, but we're not there yet because He hasn't answered yet. He hasn't. He's given us the knowledge we need to begin to build and repair the temple in Jerusalem. He's given us that knowledge, but we've been in a holding pattern. Haggai and Zechariah haven't happened yet, except on a small way spiritually. We got the message, we're to come out, leave the center of Babylon and come out and dwell in the wilderness, which we've done. So we've made some steps in the right direction, but it hasn't yet happened in the ways of all these prophecies we've been reading through Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and God turning His face and blessing us in every way, and having milk and wine without money, and all those things He promises and how he'll make it like the Garden of Eden and the desert blooming like a rose. We're here. It's still blooming like a goat head. Except where you plant something and make a crop. Which, thank you, vine and fig tree kind of the way we're going. But let's read on. I'll be found of you. And I will gather you from the nations and all the places where I have driven you and bring you again to the place where I cause you to be carried and cast away from. Now the church has been, is scattered all over the world. And he says the 10% remnant is going to be stirred to come and build a temple. Now when? 
I think we're close to maybe answering when. We're sitting here waiting and hoping and reading Haggai and saying, let's go. Reading Zechariah and saying, let's go, let's do it. God indicts us for having our own fancy homes and His is laying waste. Well, let's do it. But you can't till the time comes. Can't do it. I have no way to do it. So he says he'll start gathering us. That's the 10%. Uh, verse 16, Know that thus says the Lord of the King that sits upon the throne of David and of all the people that dwell in this city and of your brethren that are not, not gone forth with you into captivity. Thus says the Eternal of hosts, Behold, I will send upon them the sword, the famine, and the pestilence, and will make them like vile figs that cannot be eaten, they are so evil. That's talking about our nation. The church was scattered, spewed out. But the nation hasn't been yet. And Ezekiel 5 says the exact same thing. He says famine, pestilence, and the sword in Ezekiel, and then captivity. But he uses the same scenario here about how our nation will be taken. We'll read on and see this made clearer. Our nation is like vile figs. It isn't worth saving. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Time to wipe it out. I will persecute them with the sword, with the famine, and with the pestilence, and will deliver them to be removed to all the kingdoms of the earth to be a curse and an astonishment and a hissing and a reproach among all the nations where I have driven them. He's speaking of us here, this nation. They haven't hearkened to my words. I sent the prophets. We have them here. Not happening. Uh, verse 23, they've committed villainy in Israel and committed adultery with their neighbors' wives and spoken lying words in my name. That was that false prophet. Uh, verse 27 we read a couple weeks ago. Now therefore, why have you not reproved Jeremiah of Anathoth, which makes himself a prophet to you? Jeremiah was telling how it was really going to be. Seventy years of captivity, and they hadn't done anything. Later they threw him into a pit. Probably a sewage pit. <clears throat> Because Jeremiah said it would be a long captivity. Now let's get to chapter 30. Verse 3, For lo, the days come, says the Eternal, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, says the Eternal, and cause them to return to the land that I gave their fathers, and they shall possess it. So he's talking again about the church spiritual Israel here. We're going to be returned to the promised land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which is... Arizona from the Grand Canyon to the Great Salt Lake, essentially. And just inside Nevada and past uh, Bryce Canyon. With seas on either side that used to be there. This is the place. All this information I gave you earlier couldn't put, put together about the church unless you understood that and know where it is. You, you'd have no clue. Michael Snyder, who wrote about the Alice being across the country, understands it as a sign for the nation, 
but he doesn't understand the entrance and exit parts and where it goes and what it goes over to fit the church perfectly. He doesn't get that. And the captivity the church has been in and how God is going to return a remnant to the promised land, which we're reading about. Verse 5, For thus says the Eternal, We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Is that not what you hear? Are you not hearing about World War III having already really begun but not escalated and how it's going to go? Don't you hear fear, fear and trembling around the world with pandemics and lack of food and famine starting in a lot of places already? Ask you now and see whether a man does travail with child. Now, many of the prophecies, it talks about how the church is like a woman travailing to have a child. It says, every man standing with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor. So it affects everybody. And the pain of childbirth, he uses here to talk about how even the men and their faces are turned into paleness. Now, when is this 70 years ending, which we just read about in chapter 29? Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. The time of the trouble of Jacob, Israel, this nation is the leader of, that, of those tribes. It's Ephraim. The time of our trouble comes at the end of the 70 years. It starts and gets worse and worse and worse until we are completely destroyed by famine, pestilence, and the sword in captivity. So this happens shortly after the 70 years ends. God brings this punishment upon us. And Ezekiel said it isn't immediately. He says, but it comes soon. That's Ezekiel 5 through about 8. It's coming soon. It won't be like the echoing again of the mountains. Thunder going through the mountains and echoing over and over and it seems like never ever. But he says it'll be soon. So after 2017, uh, when the 430 years ended, it would not be many years until this would hit, the time of Jacob's trouble. And the New World Order is saying now that it's probably going to be in 2024 when they hit us hard and destroy our population with disease and famine and pestilence, which comes with famine, and then the attack that comes from other nations. And we already have soldiers moving in here from all over. The southern border, they're crossing it every day. They've got the gates welded open down there, the government does. So Jacob's trouble, but who's going to be saved out of it? Not the nation. It's going right into it and 90% destroyed. Who will be saved out of it? Those who are serving God, those that have sought Him with their whole heart, and will find Him because He will then hear. And He will save them out of Jacob's trouble. 
It's about to hit full force. And these three eclipses may be the signal of it all, starting in 2017 with Amos' prophecy. For it shall come to pass in that day, says the Eternal of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off your neck, Jacob's yoke off our neck, and will burst your bonds, and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him. But they shall serve the Eternal their God, and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. (coughs) I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures again here. Do with them what you want. But I'm going to read them to you. Micah 4. I'll find Micah here in a minute, turning back and forth. Not very big. Okay. Dear God's people, in the last days, it begins, shall come up to the mountain of God, and none shall make them afraid, verse 4, they'll have their vine and their fig tree, swords into plowshares, and so on. This is talking about the church of God who are serving God. The rest of the world is making their plowshares into swords, but the church will finally find peace, Jerusalem, Seven cities it crossed going across, that first one, signaling the end of 430 years, but also having a hope and a promise of peace before it's all done. The beginning and the end. War at the beginning, trouble at the beginning, and peace at the end. Christ is the Alpha and the Omega. But down here he says, in that day, says the Eternal, will I assemble her that halts, the church is lame, and I will gather her that is driven out, and her that I have afflicted. says he'll spew us out there in Revelation 3, and he's the one that afflicted us. We went, went recently through the Book of Lamentations, and it says in there dozens of times that I have done this to you, speaking of the church and Zion. Okay? And I will make her that halted a remnant, a remnant of 10%, and her that was cast far off a strong nation or people or small kingdom before the millennium. And the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion. Remember, he said he would come to Jerusalem and to Zion, and there he would protect, put a wall of fire around it, put a bubble over from the, the weather and so on, and it would be 10% of the church. And I will reign with you forever from Mount Zion. Now once this mini kingdom is established in Zion, before Christ returns in glory, He will be with it from then forward. Never leave us again. Because those who are in Zion on the mountain of God are there with this special protection that He gives when Jacob's trouble hits. And they will remain faithful to him and be in the first resurrection. So the break between them ruling him will never be there. 
It will go right on into the millennium from the first resurrection on. And he'll reign from Zion, therefore, from the time that he sets it up, in the time of the two witnesses, Zechariah 4, is when he sets it up and protects it. The millennium won't need protection from anybody. But when he's talking about here, it needs a wall of fire and a protection from above. So, he's going to do that. And if you're faithful all the way through that, you'll be in the first resurrection. So, his reign over you will never stop from the time that this has started and lasts for three and a half years. And you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, this can only be the church, it's not the nation, unto you shall it come, even the first dominion, the kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. This is before Christ returns in glory. The first dominion. Okay? Now why do you cry out aloud? Is there no king in you? Is your counselor perished? For pangs have taken you as a woman in travail. And before Jacob's trouble, every man will be standing like he's having birth pains. Be in pain and labor to bring forth daughter of Zion like a woman in travail. Go out of the city and dwell in the field, even to Babylon, and there you'll be delivered. But in the meantime, we're mourning the loss of our king and our counselor. Dead. I used to think that was Herbert Armstrong. I'm not so sure anymore, is all I'm going to say on that. Then go to Zechariah, chapter 4, and see what it says of Zerubbabel, verse 9. This is the leader of the two witnesses. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, his hand shall also finish it, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Something dramatic here. When I first went through the Minor Prophets, I said, looks like Zerubbabel's out to lunch for a while, but he comes back to finish it. I'm beginning to wonder, is he dead and comes back to finish it? Question mark. Now go back to Jeremiah. Here he's talking about the church being protected during the time of Jacob's trouble. And Jacob and this nation's uh, bonds being broken from the church as she goes to Jerusalem and the holy mount of Zion to be ruled by Christ. That's the period of time we're talking about here. But they shall serve the Lord their God, who says he'll dwell with them. Time of the two witnesses in the remnant church. And David their king, whom I will raise up to them. David the king, the original David the king, is coming back to rule over all Israel in the big millennium, the thousand years. What about a type of King David? who might be brought back to rule over the building of the temple of Jerusalem and take the message to the world. Spiritual King David raised up. What does that mean? 
Therefore, fear not, O my servant, spiritual Israel, says the Eternal. Neither be dismayed, O Israel, for I will save you from afar and your seed from the land of their captivity. And spiritual Jacob shall return and shall be in rest and be quiet, and none shall make them afraid, for I am with you and make an end of all nations that have scattered you. The church has been scattered. It will be brought back together. And David will be raised up to rule over them as king. There's three interesting scriptures. We'll see what they mean. But the 70 years comes... Uh, end of it comes at the time Jacob's trouble starts. Now, these three eclipses, the Alpha and the Omega, the start and the end of Jacob's troubles, the start of the New Testament, the Old Testament, the end time church, and the end of it, they all fit together perfectly. So, what happens October 14th? Something? Nothing? Is it only a sign? I believe Amos was a sign, but it didn't really take hold for a few years. Just like Ezekiel said, when the 430 is over, that was in 17, it will be a few years. He says, quickly, soon, coming soon, oh, about a dozen times there, 12 or 13 times. <clears throat> that it wouldn't be long until Jacob's trouble hit, the famine, the pestilence, and so on. So if it hits, been kind of hitting since 19 in COVID, but what if it hits in earnest? I mean, big time in 2024, like some are saying it will, like Beagle is saying it will, like that CIA guy, CIA guy says billions will die in 24. It all fit together? It may. So it may happen shortly after October 14th. See, these eclipses can only happen on a new moon. So they don't necessarily mark the day, but they have to come at a new moon. Like the one in April is on April 8th, which is a new moon, which is also the first day of God's new year. And throw Amos 2 in there where he says in the first month is when he will give us the former and the latter rains. Been looking for this now for years, wondering which first month. We may have a marker in that third eclipse which creates the Alpha and the Omega. Finishes both of those letters. It isn't finished until that third stroke down the New Madrid fault line. That makes the omega the end. The beginning is the alpha. Beginning of the end of the the beginning of the oh, I can't say it. The end time church and exiting at the end. And the one line crossing from Oregon through the Promised Land down through the body of Christ named Corpus Christi. I don't know. 
but it sent chills up and down my back to begin to see how these things all are coming together. <coughs> and all of them, these three eclipses coming in the rarest of rare sequence of time. 1918, since one eclipse went clear across the nation, doesn't happen very often. And to have three total eclipses in one nation is virtually unheard of, is the words, or similar words that I read. Almost impossible to even think about, because it doesn't happen. But here, between 27 and 24, it does. Now, is the handwriting on the wall or not? We'll see. But the first part of it fits the 430. The first part of it fits uh, Amos' judgment, which came in 2017. So is that the start of things that are going to culminate very rapidly here now? Third 70-year period, 20. 54, Bilderbergers, to 2024, and the prescribed demise of our nation as a nation. We've been divided since 2017, pretty much. Strangers to each other with masks, and it's gotten slowly worse and worse, and now she's coming apart at the seams, and they may do some things here soon <coughs> that create that in huge numbers. I think Lahaina can be looked at in that way. They used artificial weapons, lights, to burn that city to the ground and leave the trees alive and apparently bust out 2,000 children which went to a military installation and got sold into pedophilia. To, the, to this day, they've not explained what happened to all those children. But then somebody found how those school buses had checked into that military installation. They have weapons that can destroy any nation or any city any time. They may have used it to set all those fires across Canada. They may have used it to blow up some petroleum plants and food processing plants. They're feeling their oats now. When you start destroying a whole city, you have malicious intent, and you have a weapon in your hand that you can use anywhere, anytime. Having used it, do you think they'll put it back in the box and not use it again? Huh. What are the chances of that? When they are intending to destroy our nation and take over the world. I think it's imminent, very soon. There's some things to watch, and these eclipses, I think, may become a very, very big part of it, because it's Christ's signature in the sky. I am the Alpha, and I am the Omega, and it proclaims both. In the heavens, as Luke 25, I think it is, said, would happen. Enough for today. We get to fast beginning this evening.